How's it going, guys? Welcome back to On The Spot Sports. It has been a long time since we have gotten to talk about college football and the NFL, but today we are going to do just that. So we've got a full show for you guys today. College Football Week 11 recap, and we are going to also touch base on the other weeks that we have missed. We will try to get to as much as we can. And the same thing for the NFL. We will do a Week 10 NFL recap and try to go over as much other stuff as we missed. So we've got a full show for you guys today. Jack, how's it going, man? I know it's, it's been a long time since we've been able to touch base on this kind of stuff, but I'm so ready to do this today. Yeah, I've been good. How are you, Tyler? I'm doing great. Like I said, it, so much has happened during these two football seasons, and now we finally, finally get to talk about it. I, I'm so ready to dive into all this. It's been it's been a long time since we've done this, so we got to get back on get, get back on track here, and this should be a fun one. So stay throughout the entire thing because this will be this will definitely be one of our best ones, one of our the fun episodes that we're going we're gonna to be doing so far. Absolutely. I think uh, I think all of you guys should stay tuned because we've got a lot to talk about. Let's start, though, with college football. Week 11 was uh, this this past week, the 5th to 11th, the games occurred. Uh, and uh, you ready to get right into it? Week 11 uh, uh, recap? Yes, sir. Let's get into it. All right. So week 11 was the first week of this season. And the sixth year of the new college football playoff ranking system in which in which this was used, uh, this college football playoff system was used back in 2014. And around week 10, week 11, the college football playoff committee gathered and they do their own rankings instead of the Associated Press. So this week, the first set of college football playoff rankings came out this past week, and I got to say, a bit of a surprise at the top of the rankings, LSU, Alabama, and Ohio State recapped the AP, but Ohio State leapfrogged both Alabama and LSU in the rankings, and the first initial top four ended up being Ohio State, LSU, Alabama, Penn State, and Clemson, and I think right off the bat, that means that that North Carolina loss that or that that North Carolina game that Clemson suffered, really the committee took really really um, hard, and uh, they, they they just they moved them down. That was a warning shot, I think, for Clemson yeah. and for the rest of the college football world. Yeah, for sure. Remember earlier in the year when we were doing these predictions, and I said Ohio State would be two or three, and you didn't believe me there. Look where they're at right now. Ohio State has really has really been coming on as one of the two or three best teams in the league. I, I did not think Ohio State was gonna be one of the teams to beat. I knew they I knew they were gonna be good, but I did not think they would that they would be one of the two to three best teams in the league because um of their new primarily because of their new head coach and Ryan Day taking over for Urban Meyer. And I wasn't sure how newly transferred quarterback Justin Fields was gonna do, but I mean this system has been excellent on offense uh the running game is absolutely phenomenal justin field is a massive dual threat quarterback in the air and on the ground and defense ohio state's defense might be more powerful than their offense they're they're a dangerous team right now i i saw this coming since since day one of this season 
they're they're a really good team. Every, everyone looks like everyone bought into the new system that their new coach has brought, and look where it's getting them. It's getting their, them number two right now in the ranking. So I don't see anything changing from that. So it's going to be an interesting, it's going to be a fun season to close out for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Yeah, number one in the first college football committee playoff rankings. Uh, they took on a fairly easy opponent in this week for the playoff committee, destroying Maryland 73-14. to But I think before we get into that Ohio State game, let's get into all the other games that took place this week. And I will assure to go first. I think uh, I got to talk about this one first. But the most, maybe the most notable matchup of the college football regular season, number two, LSU, went into uh, uh, Tuscaloosa to take on the number three Alabama Crimson Tide. And LSU is another team that has just really, really come on during the middle of this season. And honestly, after this 46-41 win against Alabama in Tuscaloosa, I think LSU is the best team in the college football. Yeah, no doubt. LSU, Alabama has been the team to beat in these last few years. They've usually been ranked number one. But there's a, there's a new number one now, and it's LSU. And they're going to bring the heat the rest of the season and throughout the, the entire playoffs. I, th- I think they're, they are the best team in college football right now. I think no doubt, and especially since they haven't beaten Alabama since 2011 when the programs faced off as number one and number two. LSU ended up beating Alabama in Tuscaloosa by a score of nine to six in overtime later that year, Alabama would beat LSU in the national championship 21 to zero. I think if you're LSU, that was a huge monkey to get off your back and finally taking down your longtime rival, the Crimson Tide, but on the road, snapping a 31 game home winning streak for Alabama, which was the longest current streak in the FBS. Wow. The longest current streak. The longest current streak, 31 straight games. Alabama has won at home, is now over. LSU ended that on Saturday. Their last home loss before this game was in September 2015 against Ole Miss when Ole Miss went into Tuscaloosa and beat the Crimson Tide. Wow. A shocker. That's a a shocker, but – it tells you what team, what kind of team LSU's, LSU is, and they're here to stay. I definitely think so. I, I definitely think after this win, they are the class of the SEC, and I think they are the, the class of college football because this LSU offense behind Heisman front-running quarterback Joe Burrow, star running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and top wide receivers include Jamar Chase, Terrace Marshall Jr. and Justin Jefferson. This LSU offense is unbelievable. Dangerous. Unbelievable. There's nothing short but dangerous. That's all you can say is LSU is dangerous. Joe Burrow looked like Joe Montana. He looked like Joe Cool in that game. When Alabama brought tons of pressure, Burrow stayed calm and cool in the pocket and delivered some extremely great passes to carry LSU. Just get the momentum rolling, get them moving down the field. I, I can't say enough about Joe Burrow. I think 
not only was this the biggest win maybe for LSU in a long time, but this is the biggest win of Joe Burrow's career so far because now I think everyone should have him number one in the Heisman front running. Yeah, and it's also a key thing to be calm when you're a quarterback. You you have to be calm no matter what the situation is. And Burrow's had, had a lot of – he was calm the entire game. Just – it just proves what kind of quarterback he is, and he's gonna, he's 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 gonna be good. Yeah, no doubt. LSU had Alabama's defense on the ropes in the first half, absolutely demolishing the Crimson Tide on the offensive side of the ball. But I think a game changer was the first drive of that game where Alabama got the ball to start the first half, and Alabama rolled right down the field, right down the field. Uh, but inside the 10-yard line, third and goal, Tua Tagovailoa took it for a run and just completely, completely lost the ball on his own. LSU recovered that fumble and went six plays and scored after that. I think that fumble by Tua Tagovailoa was a game-changer. And also, I think another huge game-changer was the injury Tua Tagovailoa has been dealing with. Since about October 20th, he had surgery on his ankle and they showed how he re- or how the doctors repaired his ankle with wires, literally putting wires between his bones and putting screws at the end of the bones to keep the bones intact. The wires and the screws moving the bones closer together, and that was the effort for Tagovailoa to play. Ooh, that's that's just that just sounds awful. Just sounds. And I think Tua, I think everyone saw on on, on uh, Saturday that Tua was not 100%. He made some very questionable throws, and I think his stats showed it too. Despite throwing for 418 yards on 20, 21 completions. Wow, 418 yards? 418 yards on 21 passes. Wow. I think despite that, though, he went 21 of 40 on the day. Well, that's Did not good. That is not good at all. Did throw four touchdowns, but did have a crucial interception at the end of the first half. Instead of taking a knee with about 30 seconds left in the half, Alabama decides to run a pass play, try and get something going. LSU intercepts that, returns to about the 20, and then the very next play, Joe Burrow finds Clyde Edwards Hilaire for a 22-yard touchdown to put LSU 33-13 to at the half. Another huge moment by Alabama. I, I'm, I was extremely confused why they didn't knee the ball and make Tua try to get something going again, especially since he's not 100%, and especially since they were down massively, and that just made it even worse. Yeah, 100%. Couldn't, couldn't agree with you more there. But LSU, overall, despite Alabama's late comeback attempt, the Tigers held off the Crimson Tide 46-41, and they might have put themselves in prime position to make the college football playoff. Because this pretty much guarantees them a spot in the SEC championship game. And even, even if they don't somehow win the SEC championship, I think LSU, their resume is just so good. Four wins against top 10 teams this year that even if they do lose the SEC championship game, they will still only have one loss. And I think the committee has a very strong case to put LSU in the playoff. 
as one of the four best teams. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a fun, fun playoff season for sure. I can't wait to watch the SEC playoffs. It's going to be, it's going to be wild. Yeah, unless something happens right now between any of the any of these uh, teams, the SEC championship might have already been decided last week. Georgia took on Florida. They both they were both lead, the leaders in the uh, East Division. Both had one conference loss, so essentially the winner of that game would be almost guaranteed a spot in the playoff. Georgia ended up winning that one 24-17 behind Jake Fromm and DeAndre Swift and Coach Kirby Smart. Very good game plan by the Bulldogs there. Taking down the Gators, hopes to try to make the SEC championship and possibly the playoff. Georgia sneaks back into the mix. So now they're in the SEC championship game, essentially, if stuff does not go wrong for them. And then this week, Alabama, LSU, both undefeated, leading the, the SEC West Division. And LSU stormed into Tuscaloosa, won that game, and assured control of the West Division. So now it looks like the SEC championship is all but set if the teams just continue to do what they do, LSU against Georgia. Wow. All right, so for the next uh, game that I want to, like, go on is uh, two ranked teams, Iowa and Wisconsin. The Wisconsin Badgers pick up a 24-22 win over the Iowa Hawkeyes. That's that was, that was a close game, 24-22. It was a close game. I was not I, – I don't know how – what I was gonna, thinking about this game, how this game would end up. But I for sure didn't think that it'd be this close. I thought it'd be a little more spread out, but overall it was a pretty good defensive game. Definitely. That was the first thought that I had too going into this game. Iowa and Wisconsin are two very stingy defensive teams. And I think it pretty much held up until the end, you know. Wisconsin took a fourteen to six halftime lead. And actually you were a hundred percent right about being it being spread out. Um Box score right over here. Wisconsin had a 21-6 lead going into the third quarter and actually were up 24-6. Iowa scored four, uh, 16, I'm sorry, unanswered points in the end to rally, and they ended up scoring a touchdown but missed a two-point conversion that would have ultimately tied the game. So, yes, it was spread out, but Iowa, with the late comeback rally, almost tied the game on a two-point conversion. Yeah. The Badgers are now seven and two, and the Hawkeyes are six and three. Wisconsin, yeah, Wisconsin is one of the better teams in the Big Ten. I'd say their defense was number one in the nation a couple weeks ago before they ran into the Ohio State Buckeyes and got trounced. And even when they were playing Illinois and got upset in that game, a very controversial upset loss for Wisconsin against the Fighting Illini, who have been on an incredible comeback story this season. But Wisconsin, they held on an important win. Iowa, again, one of those Big Ten teams you got to watch out for sometimes, but Iowa could not pull off the comeback rally this time against the Badgers. Close game, though. Good yeah. Big Ten defensive game. Yeah, for sure. I, I was honestly surprised. I was, I was shocked when they lost – when the Badgers lost those two upset games or that the Illinois game. The – Ohio game, you knew Ohio State was going to win. But for the Illinois game, that was 
controversial loss. Extremely. Illinois, again, coming back. Illinois has been a, a second, third quarter team down down big in the first half, but that, that's been their MO is rally late and rally by not just 10 or 15 points, but by 20 and 25-point deficits. Um, Wisconsin, they got burned on a last-second field goal. And, uh, yeah, I think people saw Ohio State winning that game, but I don't think people saw Wisconsin losing to Illinois the week before. Yeah, for sure. Is there another game you want to look at? For sure. Let's talk about the other undefeated matchup that was the headlight highlight for this past Saturday. Undefeated number four Penn State went to Minneapolis to take on the very surprising undefeated number 17. Yes, number 17 Minnesota Golden Gophers. And that game, I was completely shocked by the outcome of that game. Minnesota ended up winning that one 31 to 26 in Minneapolis. Penn State did not lead the whole game. Minnesota did not trail. Minnesota kept Penn State behind them, and Penn State had a chance to go down and take the win, but Sean Clifford was intercepted in the end zone for his third time of the game, and Clifford only had three picks the whole season going into this game. Minnesota played outstanding, and I think I was really surprised when the committee ranked them 17th overall, given that they were one of the undefeated teams, uh, five behind the other undefeated team in Baylor. That was definitely a um, a warning for Minnesota. You got to prove to us that you are a contender. And Minnesota did just that, knocking off probably the second best team in the Big Ten in Penn State. Yeah, for sure. It was also a pretty spread out game, besides like the first two quarters, you know, where it, Minnesota was up 14-10, and then they got 10-3 in the second quarter. From there on, Minnesota really didn't have that much going for them. It was all Penn State the last the last half of the game. Scoring, uh, Penn State had got six in the third and then seven in the fourth quarter, whereas the Gophers only got seven in the fourth. So it was – the Gophers didn't really – didn't really score that second half of the game. It was all it was all Penn State, but Minnesota ultimately ended up winning the game. So that's all that matters, and they keep their undefeated undefeated uh, streak. Yeah, for sure. Penn State tried a little comeback, did not end up working out for them. Minnesota really was attacking with that passing game in the first half. I mean, their quarterback Tanner Morgan with an outstanding game. 18 of 20 with 339 yards and three touchdowns. Incredible game by Tanner Morgan, the quarterback for the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Uh, really can't say enough about this team. I mean, nobody really saw them coming this season. And they're undefeated. They're 9-0 and for the first time since 1904. This is a historic wow. year for the Golden Gophers. Yeah, I did, not, I did not expect the Gophers to be 9-0 and right now. Is I expect them to have more wins than losses, but not the undefeated right now. But good for them, Fig finally figuring their stuff their stuff out. Yeah, and you and you got to applaud their head coach PJ Fleck coming in from Western Michigan about a year or two ago. His mo again is row the boat. It's one of those interesting. Row the boat. Obviously, Minnesota 
this this team, this organization is really embracing that. And I think that Minnesota is on one of the most improbable streaks that the school could ever see, maybe. This has got to be, like I said, a, a historic year for the organization. And you got to think, if they go undefeated the rest of the season, Minnesota don't sleep on them for the playoffs. They are a playoff threat with that undefeated record. They're definitely a playoff contender, and they they will be dangerous in the playoffs if they make it. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think Minnesota is a team to watch out for. If everything does hold up, we would possibly see a Minnesota Ohio State Big Ten championship. And I can assure you that the winner of that game would most likely go to the college football playoff. Minnesota, Ohio State. That would be a very fun game to that'll watch. Be a, that'll be a huge game for both teams and a lot of fun just for the Big Ten altogether and to go on to the, the playoffs. That'll be fun for sure. Yeah, the Big Ten's got to love having two undefeated teams left. Two of the five come from that conference. And yeah, I think that this, this win for Minnesota really proves that they are not a fluke. They are not one of those undefeated teams that that they were just going to get rattled off right away and looked over. They should not be looked over right now because Minnesota knocks off Penn State. Great win. Great win for the Gophers. Yeah. For, for my next one, I got uh, number 11, Florida Gators against uh, against Vanderbilt. Florida, Florida took the game under control when 56 to nothing over Vandy and the game didn't even the game didn't even start out that well it was 0-0 at the end of the first quarter and then they got from the second quarter on they got 56 unanswered points what a, what a game for the Gators who are currently 8 and 2 yeah florida again they're they're definitely emerging is that another one of those underlooked teams in the SEC. A lot of the focus this year has been on Alabama and LSU and even Auburn. A lot of people, and even Georgia as well. I'm sorry, I forgot Georgia. Florida, again, is one of those, again, underlooked SEC teams. They they are dangerous. Uh, they made a huge leap last year in their first year under uh, head coach Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen is doing a tremendous job bringing Florida back to one of the top competitors in the SEC. Uh I would definitely say they are not there yet at the top. Obviously, they lost to LSU in Georgia. They are definitely the third or fourth best in the SEC this year. Yeah, for uh, sure. And it must be proved that they, uh, they shut out a struggling Vanderbilt team who drops to 2-7 and seven on the season. Vandy, they, they just they really have nothing going for them. Van, Vandy only, only had 77 yards, too. 77 total yards? Yeah, for, for passing. Passing yards. Passing yards. And then... Yeah. Florida is argued to have maybe the best defense uh, defense in the SEC. Their defensive line is outstanding. And they, they were bringing the pressure all game. They held Vanderbilt quarterback Deuce Wallace to 7 of 18 for 60 yards and a pick. Their leading rusher was 11, 11 carries, 34 yards. You have to think now that, that, that Vandy... They knew what they were coming in for when they came to the swamp. Yeah, for sure. Florida, also Florida started I mean, out six and zero, right? 
Florida did start 6-0. Yeah, they went to Baton Rouge, and LSU did knock them off. That's that's a that's a shocker. Yeah, LSU was number five. That game, Florida was number seven. Not a humongous upset, but did, people did see that coming. I got a thing though for Florida, a huge step in the right direction. Unfortunately, was the injury of starting quarterback Felipe Franks. He went down against Kentucky, and uh, backup Kyle Trask came in after. After after uh, the last time he started a game was freshman year of high school until the next week uh, after Kyle Trask comes in leaves Florida from a come from behind win against Kentucky wins that game and then goes on and is putting up numbers that Felipe Franks really never have uh, has put up for Florida. Wow, that's, that that's really good for him. Good for him. I yeah, I think I think honestly. It's a big confidence booster for him too, since he didn't start his since his freshman year of high school. Freshman year of high school, and this this guy is a redshirt junior. So you're talking about six, seven years was the last time he started a game at quarterback. Wow! Absolutely, absolutely incredible story. You don't hear that. You don't hear that that often. I know, I know. Absolutely incredible story of him sticking with the Gators, and he finally gets a shot, and he's looking like. He's a really solid passer, I think. I think Trash definitely looks like a natural passer. Yeah. I think the Gators are going to go in a good direction with him this for the rest of this year and for next year as well. We should definitely try to get him on the podcast. That'd be a cool story to hear. That would 100% be a really cool story. So we got to work on that then. Oh, yeah. I, I'll be 100% ready for that. If you're ready for me to give another game, if you're ready for that, yeah, um, I'm going to go with number 12, Baylor, against against unranked TCU. Baylor, going into this weekend, was one of seven undefeated teams left in the FBS, and they were number 12 in the rankings. And they went into, uh, I believe it's, Oh, for Fort Worth. Fort, they went to Fort Worth to play TCU. The Horn Frogs, who are a a very underlooked team as well, even though they were four and four, TCU always plays some of those teams really, really tough. Like they could be, they could be a team that 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 could upset you, and you might you might not see it coming. But this week was going to be a challenge for Baylor, going into Fort Worth undefeated, and this game. This game was really, really underwhelming for the for the uh, for regulation. TCU took a 9-0 halftime lead, 9-0 all field goals. Baylor came back and tied the game with about 30 seconds left, and at, in overtime, the score was nine to nine. All th- all teams made three field goals. Wow, I, I would not have seen that coming. I think though the committee, the committee has to look at this and look at Baylor as the one defeated team left in the Big Twelve, and they got to say they're just they just don't really have they don't really have much going for them. I mean, I think Baylor's defense is obviously the strongest part, but the offense really is struggling to produce this year. Uh, you're going to overtime with a four and yeah, four, especially team. if you're going in overtime against a team like TCU. 
and it takes yeah. you three overtimes. Three over Baylor did to actually do something. I, I don't. I don't see that being like a playoff team. Yeah, Baylor did end up winning that game, twenty nine twenty three in three overtimes. But I think the committee really has an answer on Baylor as one of the unbeaten teams. Yes, they are nine and zero, but their run hasn't been as impressive. They haven't really beaten any solid teams, and I think this week just proved it. Baylor, they're they're not one of the better the better teams. They lost to a they lost to a four and four team at that time, or they almost lost to a four and four team at that time. Yeah, I'm looking at their their schedule right now. They 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 have not really had a notable game this season. Stephen F. Austin, that's a that's a guaranteed. UTSA, Rice, Iowa State is a tricky opponent, but they but they beat them. Kansas State, they won pretty easily. Texas Tech, barely beat them at home. Oklahoma State, they went on the road and took them out. Oklahoma State is a pretty interesting game. The week before that, on Halloween, they almost lost to. Uh, unranked West Virginia at home. West Virginia is going through a little bit of a rebuilding process. And then this week, they almost lost to uh, TCU. I think they the committee really flipped for Baylor and Minnesota. I think Minnesota should have been number 12 going into this week, and Baylor should have been, like, number 17. Because yeah. I think we found out which of those two unbeaten teams is for real and which one is not. Minnesota's the teams they've been are – respectable and like but this team is like this team has not really be beaten any like or like they've been almost losing to like really not so great teams so I was like it's like a it's like a mix of things yeah for sure and this week we will do a college football uh week 12 preview later this week we are hoping but just a little preview, Baylor has an extremely tough test. Their biggest test of the season, actually, comes this weekend in Waco. They are home, but they will host the number nine-ranked Oklahoma Sooners, who are the only other team ranked ahead of them in the Big 12. Baylor and Oklahoma are the two best teams in the Big 12 in terms of record-wise. Oklahoma is 8-1, and one, Baylor is 9-0, and oh, and the committee ranked Oklahoma three spots ahead of Baylor, but honestly... I agree 100% with the commit, the committee on that decision. Oklahoma has proven that they are a very um, tough team this year, despite losing to Kansas State. I agree with that decision about Oklahoma being ahead of Baylor, but I think Baylor's in for some trouble this week. They got to deal with Jalen Hurts, Lincoln Riley, and that high-powered uh, Big 12 offense. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a rough one for them, I think. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how how they handle themselves though. Yeah, I definitely think so, too. Baylor and Oklahoma, that is where college game day is going to be this week. Waco, Texas for number nine, Oklahoma, number 12, Baylor. But I'm sure both those rankings will change this week, given the possible playoff committee making their decision in about two and a half hours. Just wait two and a half hours, and we'll see. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. You got another game to uh, recap for Week Eleven? Yeah, I'll go. Uh, the The game that we went to earlier, Purdue. I'm the Purdue played uh, Northwestern. 
this weekend this weekend and uh Purdue came up on top 24-22 over the Wildcats. So really isn't impressive since the Wildcats are one and eight, but but we still went to one of Purdue's games, so you got to we got to bring them up at least once in this episode. So, so here it is. Here's the recap of it. Northwestern came up on top, fourteen to nothing, after the end of the first first quarter, and then Purdue got a touchdown, and Northwestern got a safety. I believe that was right. Yeah, safety. Yeah. So Northwestern was eating sixteen seven after the first half, and then it was all Purdue pretty much after that. Purdue scoring 14 in the third quarter, and then Purdue got a field goal, and then the Wildcats got a touchdown and missed a field goal or an extra point, which made it 24-22 Purdue at the end of the game. I think I I believe it was uh, Northwestern scored a touchdown, and then they tried to tie it with a two-pointer, and then they missed as well. Yeah, yeah. Iowa earlier. That that would make sense, yeah. And then Purdue ultimately wins 24-22. Purdue goes on to four and six, and Northwestern goes on to one and eight. Oh no, wait, I'm sorry. Um I'm sorry. No, Northwestern Northwestern scored the touchdown first, and then they try to make it a three-point game, but missed actually, yeah, Purdue's kicker JD Dellinger got a 39-yard field goal with three seconds left. To put Purdue up twenty four twenty two. There we go. That's that's how it ended. Yeah, it looks like we were both a little confused there. Heart heartbroken loss for uh, Northwestern then. Yeah, one and eight this year for the Wildcats. Obviously, not the season they were hoping for. And I think it all starts up top. I think they should definitely look at what's been going on the last 15 or so years that coach Pat Fitzgerald has been there. Is it time for him to go? I think it might. I mean, this one and eight season definitely shows you that they are just, they're not ready. They're still not ready to be at the top of the big 10 right now. I think Pat Fitzgerald might have to go after the season. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Just like one, eight, one and eight, like that's not the season they wanted. So something's got to change if they want to, be, if they want to be better next season, something's got to change, and ultimately, he probably must. He probably has to go, or uh, or they have to like restart somewhere. They have to restart somewhere if they want to be successful in the next few years. For sure, Purdue with that win goes to four and six. That that's their second one in a row, and this season they've been pretty banged up by injuries, and particularly the quarterback position. Their starter after the Vanderbilt game we went to, Elijah Sindler, has not played since that game. And actually, their backup before this week, Jack Plummer, was announced that he would not play for a while. I'm not sure how long. So that left to Purdue going to third-string quarterback Aiden O'Connell this week. And he came up big, 271 yards, two touchdowns, and a win in Evanston against the 1-8 Wildcats, which, again, isn't that impressive if you look at it? But I think for a third-string quarterback, you got to be a little bit proud that they can that they can win with about three quarterbacks this season. It's also a confidence booster for the quarterback since he's a third-string, so he doesn't get that much playing time. But to win a game, it does a lot to you, especially with the way you play. It it'll proves yourself a lot to yourself. 
Yeah, definitely. Purdue's got to win two more games to be bowl eligible. If they if they lose one of their next two games, they will not be eligible to make a bowl game this year. So, obviously, these next two games for the Boilermakers against 13th-ranked Wisconsin and home against 7-2 and Indiana, they're going to be very tough because Wisconsin, obviously, ranked 13th, 7-2 and record in Madison. going to be a very tough game. And home against the Hoosiers, who are also 7-2. and I did not see that coming from Indiana. Those would be very tough games to win. So we'll see if Purdue can give it their best shot and compete with those two. Yeah, we're definitely cheering for Purdue to do that, to win those next few games. But it's definitely going to be hard to do, especially with the caliber of those teams. Definitely. I think I will go, with if you're done with that game, I'm going to go with another one here. I just talked about uh, uh, number 12, Baylor. And now it's time to talk about their opponent for next week. Number nine, Oklahoma. They hosted unranked 5-3 and three Iowa State in Norman this week. And this game was another, was another huge loss for the Sooners for this playoff committee. They won the game 42-41, but they came – ever so close to losing. Oklahoma was up 35-14 after the first half, and they took a 42-21 lead after the third quarter. Iowa State rallied and scored 20 points in the fourth quarter, while Oklahoma was shut out in the fourth quarter. Iowa State scored three unanswered touchdowns, and, and, and in place of kicking an extra point, Iowa State was gutsy, went for two points, and tried to go for, for their second straight win in Norman, but it was incomplete. And from what I've heard from some people, there should have been a patch interference call on Oklahoma, but the refs did not call it. Oklahoma survived by a missed two-point conversion and almost squandered a 20-point lead going into the fourth quarter. Ooh, wow. I I would not expect this game to be this close, but with all the things that happened, it, it makes sense. But it's also a huge blow to Oklahoma since they almost lost to Iowa State, who's five and four, and Oklahoma's eight and one. That that like affects your rankings a lot, especially when you lose almost lose to a team like Iowa State. Even though they're not that bad, but they still aren't like Eight and eight and one, they're five and four, so they're almost five hundred. So it takes a toll on those teams. Yeah, definitely. Iowa State is not a bad team at all. They they made a pretty big bowl game last year as a ranked as a ranked team, but for Oklahoma, this should have been an easy win for them. And they 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 were up big after three quarters, but I don't know what happened in that fourth quarter and, and almost gave up the lead. And they should be very lucky that Iowa State did not get the two-point conversion and that they won the game because that was almost very similar to Clemson against North Carolina this year where North Carolina decided to go for two and missed. Clemson held on by that much. Oklahoma did the same. So I think the committee should really look at this Oklahoma team and, and say, are they, are they legit? Is Oklahoma worthy of making the playoff if they go with one win and win the Big 12 and going into this Baylor matchup this week? 
very interesting. All eyes will be on the, the two best teams in the Big 12 this week. Do you think Oklahoma's legit? I think Oklahoma got rocked by Kansas State, and I think Oklahoma is not the same team that they were. Yeah, I, I can see that. I, I I think they're I think they're a legit team, but they also have had those games where they've lost to like not to teams lower than them. But I I, I believe they're legit, but like they're not a powerhouse team like they used to be. They have to play a lot better defense if they want to be considered a powerhouse team. Everyone knows that their offense is one of the best in the nation. But their defense has just not been there for the last couple of years. Uh, under this Lincoln-Riley era, their defense has just not been there despite having one of the best offenses. And that's a whole part of this new Big 12 wave of high-power offense and not a lot of defense. And their defense almost cost them the win and a shot at the playoff. Because I believe Oklahoma still has a little bit of a chance to get into the playoff this year. But I don't think their window is very open right now. I think they're going to need a miscue from one of those teams ranked ahead of them, like Oregon or Utah, and for them to win out and prove themselves that they are ahead. But I think Oklahoma is not the same team right now. They're, they are definitely not what they were the first four or five weeks of the season. Yeah, for sure. Is that all your? Is that your take on the – on that game, yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely definitely my take for that. All right, so I'll probably I'll probably do do one more or something like that for this okay. for this game. Uh, I'm gonna go number three Clemson facing off against uh, North Carolina North Carolina State, the Wolfpack. Clemson Clemson's overall ten and zero now, and the Wolfpack's four and five. Clemson overall wins the game 55 to 10 and they control the game the entire first half of the game going up 30 42 I believe that is 42 yeah 42 nothing and then in the third quarter they each team gets a touchdown and then the fourth quarter the the Tigers got 6 points and the Wolfpack get a field goal to make it 55 to 10 overall. Trevor Lawrence went 20 for 27 with 276 yards and three touchdowns. And then Chase Bryce came in for five for nine, and 27 yards. And then for the Wolfpack, Devin Leary went 14 for 29 with 166 yards and zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. Yeah, I think that this, that Clemson, needed to do exactly what they did this weekend and they did they went into rally and absolutely put a trouncing on the wolf pack they were ranked number five in these initial rankings uh because of that really early struggle game against the north carolina Tar Heels, where north carolina almost beat them on a two-point conversion the committee took that game very very seriously and ranked ohio state lsu alabama who all of them weren't surprised, but they even moved Penn State ahead of Clemson as well because Penn State had really had no trouble the rest of the season, and Clemson did against an unranked North Carolina team who is, again, on the rise. I think North Carolina is definitely a team that is on the upswing with new coach Mack Brown. Freshman quarterback Sam Howell is playing 
extremely well this season. Uh, but Clemson should have went in and played a little more dominant. But the committee saw that game as a struggle, a warning shot. And I think Clemson did exactly what they needed to do. They played extremely tough. I, I was actually watching this game from a restaurant. Uh, the first quarter was just all Clemson. I mean, their defense was amazing. They recovered two fumbles inside the 30. And then Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, just put an exclamation point on them. Well done by Clemson. Well done to prove that I think they are still legit. I think Clemson is a – people might not see it right now, but I think Clemson is one of the top two or three front runners for this national championship. They play defense. Clemson's all about defense now. They've, they've had really good defense the past few years. Especially last year, their defense was pretty solid, too. Oh, extremely solid. I mean, those two games in the college football playoff, they gave up three points to Notre Dame, and they gave up 16 points to Alabama with that high-powered offense. 19 points in the, in, against uh, two top-five teams in the nation should not go underlooked. Mm-hmm. Like, in this this game, even though NC State, they're all right. They're four and five. Not the greatest Still, Clemson needed to have another game like this where they just blow blow them out like that. That's what you should do against one of these teams. And I think that uh, the committee needs to rethink, especially since two of the teams ahead of them, Alabama and Penn State, went down. Clemson should be right back in the mix this week in the top four. This team is here to stay. Clemson is here to stay. Yes, yes, they are. And I think it's even scarier thing that Trevor Lawrence has to stay another season. He cannot enter the draft this year because he's only a sophomore. I think that is extremely scary for college football. That they're gonna they're gonna be extremely good again next year. This guy maybe one of the most talented NFL quarterbacks we've ever seen. Might be one of the best college quarterbacks in terms of just arm strength, field vision. This guy, this guy has it all. This dude has everything. Like everything's going good for him. He's he's mobile. He's like everything you want in a good quarterback absolutely absolutely i still think i still think even though everyone was putting those teams ahead of clemson i still think clemson is about the second or third best team in the nation i don't i would say clemson and lsu are very close one two with ohio state behind them but i think people are sleeping on clemson way too much after that north carolina game i think you're going to see teams have that kind of a game once in a while where a team plays them really tough or they're just not on their game. I still think that despite that game, Clemson has showed everyone who they are and they are definitely a top two team. No doubt. Yeah, no doubt. hundred percent. Is there any other games you want to go through? Um, I, I wouldn't say any other games, but I would say just a little uh, college football uh, ranking preview for today. I think that the ranking, the rankings will be very interesting. How far will Alabama fall from number three after their loss to LSU? Uh, how far will Minnesota move up after that very impressive win against Penn State? And how will the committee rank Oklahoma and Baylor after their struggles and Almost, they both almost lost during this week, but they both survived. The two teams that have a shot in the Big 12, how will the committee rank them before their matchup this week? And how will the committee take 
Clemson's performance against NC State. I think those are the main things to look out for this week in the rankings. Yeah, I I agree with that. It's going to be it's going to be interesting seeing how, where these teams go up or go down in the next few hours before the rankings are released. Literally, rankings are 7 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN. Watch it. Watch watch what happens. You you will know who's in and who's out as far as this week because there aren't many weeks left. It may seem like nothing now, but believe me, the playoff, I believe, is announced November or December 1st, I, I think. Yeah, it, it seems about coming, right. It's coming sooner than you think. Every every ranking by the playoff committee matters, so I think that you've got to tune in for that. Yeah, so tune into that. That's our, that's our sponsored video for the day. That's right. Are you uh, you are good on college football? What? You're good on college football. Yeah. All right. Should we should we move to the NFL? Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. So the NFL just recapped week 10 yesterday with a Monday night football game featuring two NFC powerhouse teams. And I actually do remember the last time we did an NFL show or, or uh, NFL preview, we did, I believe it was week six or so. I remember because the New York Jets were my bold prediction to beat the Dallas Cowboys, and guess what? They did? I got that bold prediction right, baby. I got that bold prediction right. Tyler first won, Jack zero. First outright win. Uh, Congrats. Congrats, I guess. What? What Thank should you. what should the prize be? I don't I don't mm, I don't know. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to think about that and then come back. Definitely, definitely. And uh, I for all of you guys that are listening, you guys can also do bold predictions. So just put it in the comment section, and and uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll get a bold prediction right. Who knows? That's right. So yeah. Uh, you could do anything in terms of teams winning, player stats, anything that you think will happen. Even players replacing some players. It could be anything. Be bold. That's 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 my one piece of advice. Do you wanna do you wanna do a bold prediction for week eleven right now then? Since we're on the topic. Alright, sure. Um then we'll go back to week ten. Yeah. So week eleven. Ooh, that's too uh this will be an interesting week for sure. This will be an interesting week. Uh, I got I, I got my bold prediction. I I think I think I have mine too. I'm gonna go. This is gonna be an interesting one for me. I'm gonna highlight the matchup between the six and three Houston Texans and the seven and two Baltimore Ravens. We're going to see two extremely dual-threat quarterbacks in Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson play against each other. My bold prediction is Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson will combine for four rushing touchdowns in that game. Four rushing touchdowns? Four rushing touchdowns between Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson. That, 
That's going to be an interesting one. I'm curious to see how that plays out. I am too. I, I think that's, I think it's bold, but I, I can honestly definitely see it possibly happening. Mine's definitely going to be bolder than yours. All right, bring it. All right, I, I got the two and seven Atlanta Falcons beating out the five and four Carolina Panthers. And the Falcons are going to hold the Panthers to 10 points or less. Okay. I I mean that 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 one that one is interesting. I mean the Fal- nobody really saw what the Falcons were able to do this past week, and especially since Carolina had a heartbreaking loss against the Green Bay Packers, which I think we should all touch base on in a little bit. There were some controversial calls in that game against Carolina, uh, but Carolina and the end did end up losing that game on a goal line stand by the Packers. I could. It's interesting. It's interesting to see if Atlanta is going to want to keep that up. I mean, they're two and seven, so they they're not really playing for anything right now. Maybe I mean not really a draft pick, I guess, because they just won again. But yeah. I'll be interested. I'll be it'll, be it'll be interesting to see what happens if the if the Falcons can hold the New Orleans Saints to to ten points or less at home, which they did last week. I think it's definitely in the making for the Carolina Panthers to be held to less than that. Yeah, a hundred percent. That's why, that's why it's called Bold Predictions. That's right. They they just got to hold up CMC and uh, Mr. Kyle Allen right there. Yeah. Hopefully they can get it done. I think so. So, Bold Predictions, I, I like I like both of ours. Let's see, let's see if we have any outright wins like we did the last time. So, I think we're going to jump to Week 10. We will touch base on Week 11. We'll do a little preview. Um in a little bit, or we can do, we can maybe do an, an, an NFL preview next week, or not, not next week, uh, in a couple days. Let's go to week 10. Week 10, I'll start with the game that, I, that I'm going to jump to first hand. I'm going to go with the Tennessee Titans beating out the Kansas City Chiefs 35-32 to in Nashville. Tennessee blocked a Harrison Butker field goal from about 52 yards out as time expired to win the game. And that was a big game for Kansas City because Patrick Mahomes got hurt about two weeks ago against the Denver Broncos and did not start the last two games against the Green Bay Packers, which they lost, and the Minnesota Vikings, which they won. And Tennessee has been looking, honestly, a lot better under backup quarterback Brian Tannehill, which they acquired from the Miami Dolphins this offseason. Ryan Tannehill is looking like he is a better quarterback than Marcus Mariota, which that is that's a shame for Mariota considering he's a lot a little bit younger than Tannehill, but nobody really saw the Titans coming and beating Kansas City considering Patrick Mahomes was back for Kansas City. Great win by Tennessee and great stand at the end to keep the Chiefs from moving on. Kansas City is now 6-4. and four. I, I did not expect Kansas City to go 6-4. and four. They started off the year so strong. But then, then they got the injury to Mahomes, and that all went sideways. I remember I, remember, I think we were talking about this earlier, but you thought the, the Chiefs were going to be a top, like, team and, like, not maybe, like, go, like, 12 and 4 or something like that. So it could 
I don't, I don't remember what your prediction was for the Chiefs, though. Like, I'm pretty sure it wasn't – pretty sure you said, like, four wins or four losses or something like that. Yeah, I think I said three or four. Yeah, so you better hope they don't lose again. Yeah, I don't think uh, Kansas City expected Mahomes to get hurt and for them to be in this kind of position that they are. Is Patrick Mahomes still the best quarterback in the in the league right now, though? I don't think right now because he just came back from that injury. I definitely think he was before he got hurt. I don't know. Right now, I would honestly have to say the best quarterback in the league is, with the way he's playing, Lamar Jackson from the Ravens. Yeah, Lamar Jackson has definitely picked up his game especially in the last few weeks, and he's been playing really good. I'm impressed by him right now. I am too. This kid is playing like a stud out there. So, yeah, that's that's my little uh, take right there. Tennessee, great win against the uh, AFC West leading Chiefs. And the Titans' wildcard hopes are not over yet. They're five and five. They're they're still they're actually right there in the wildcard game. They're about a half game out. So Tennessee keeping their playoff hopes alive. Yeah, for sure. Now I'm gonna transition, and you know what team I have to pick. You know what we gotta pick on every single episode. What team we gotta feature at least once? The Browns. Guess what team that is? The Browns. Yes, sir. So the the three and six Cleveland Browns beat out the six and three Buffalo Bills nineteen to sixteen, and uh, Cleveland went out went out ahead six nothing in the first quarter. Then the Bills went up seven six, and the Browns got a field goal to make it nine seven for the for the half. And then the Bills got a safety in the third quarter, and the Browns got a field goal. And then during the fourth quarter, each team got a touchdown. So I ended up make, making it 19-16 Browns. And overall, it was a pretty good game. For It's one of the better games I've seen Baker Mayfield play in, a while, in like a while. He went 26 for 38 with 238 yards, two touchdowns, which isn't great, but it's, been, it's better than he has been playing in the recent, recent weeks. And then uh, Josh Allen went 22 for 41 with 266 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. Yeah, I think obviously people are seeing that the Browns are not everything that people thought they were this year. Just because they trade for Odell Beckham Jr. does not mean that they're going to be a top team. I think a lot of people have diagnosed these kind of problems they've seen for the Browns. Their offensive line is non-existent Baker Mayfield is having to run for his life a lot of the time. So I do feel like their offensive line was a lot better this week and defense overall is pretty good this week compared to like the uh, weeks before we've seen. Yeah. I still feel like though, I still feel like the coaching is a big part of why they haven't been successful. I mean, I'm not I'm looking more looking back at how their season's going. I'm not sure if Freddie Kitchens was the right move for the Browns to 
make as a head coach. He's just, he hasn't been executing on these play calls. I mean, the Browns had six plays from inside the Bills' two-yard line in the first quarter, and they did not score a touchdown and turn the ball over on downs. That right there is extremely concerning that the Browns can't execute in these kind of moments because it was already 6-0 at that point. They could have taken like a 13-0 lead, but six plays from inside the two-yard line, two pass interference penalties, and the Browns still couldn't capitalize. That's a problem. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's going to be a problem, especially if you're on the two-yard line and you still can't score. That That's an issue. I, even though the Browns now improved to 3-6, and six, still very underwhelming from what a lot of people thought they would be preseason. Um, this isn't really a, a, a huge win for the Browns, even though Buffalo is 6-3. and three, Buffalo has had a very uh, easy and laid-back schedule. And the week before the Bills – or no, I'm sorry, two weeks before the Bills got blown out to the Eagles, uh, 31-13 at home. Uh, so I think anytime Buffalo plays someone of a solid team, they're not going to do good. And I wouldn't, I would call the Browns below average now based on their record. Definitely. But, um, if you're Buffalo, you definitely had to be thinking when coming out of this, but they did not do that for Cleveland. I don't even know what to say at this point. The Baltimore Ravens are on a blistering pace in the front of the AFC North division. Even the Pittsburgh Steelers, too, who are doing amazing things without Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback and even no Antonio Brown and no Le'Veon Bell are ahead of them. The Browns' season is almost basically over. Uh, but it's – it's. I mean, it, I guess it's a good team win. I wouldn't be too happy about being the Bills, but – It's a good team it's win. Good, it's a good it's team a good, win for them. Definitely. It's a, yeah, it's a good team win. Yeah, just team win overall, it's, it's a solid game for them. But overall, if you look in, like, the details and everything, it's not that impressive. No. I think the next game that I'm going to go to is the Sunday night football game that was that headlined this Sunday night. The 6-3 visiting Minnesota Vikings went on to Dallas to take on the 5-3 and three Dallas Cowboys. And this game was mostly pretty close from the start. The Minnesota Vikings ended up being the Cowboys 28-24. They stopped the Cowboys from inside the 20-yard line on three straight plays, second and two. Minnesota's defense held up strong. They held Ezekiel Elliott to a loss about three yards, and then – the Cowboys could not get a first down on a fourth and five pass play. Despite getting the ball back for Dallas, it was intercepted in the end zone on a Hail Mary from about 50 yards out that capped off the Vikings win. With the win, the Vikings moved to seven and three. The Cowboys dropped to five and four. Despite that record, though, the Cowboys are still on top of the division. Very concerning if you're Dallas with that kind of record to be leading the division. That just proves that that division is not good. But if you're the Vikings, that is a big win because you moved to 7-3 and three right now. You still aren't leading the division. But with the play we've seen this year from Kirk Cousins and running back Dalvin Cook and receivers Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, despite Adam Thielen not playing tonight, I think Minnesota has to be very pleased with the way they came in and won this away primetime game. Yeah, for sure. It was, a, it was actually a back-and-forth game. 
for most of the game, pretty much, which is which is interesting for for like the, these two teams. Yeah, definitely. Minnesota has been playing so much better than last year. Uh, the Chicago Bears were the front runners of the NFC North this year. This year, it's more about the Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings. Who's going to take that top spot in the North Division? It's going to be tough right now. Right now, Green Bay has a, a game lead on Minnesota, and Green Bay does have the one head-to-head meeting. So right now, Green Bay does have the edge. But if the Vikings, if the Vikings play or continue to play how they've been playing, I can definitely see Minnesota taking out Green Bay. Yeah, for sure. But I, I honestly see Green Bay winning the the division this year. I don't think Green Bay's. I don't think any team's going to stop Green Bay anymore. And but like same thing for the Vikings, they they'll probably. I don't think any team's going to stop them either. But since Green Bay has that game ahead, I believe uh, Green Bay is going to take up take the division. As much as I hate to say it, as a Bears fan. Yeah, definitely. Me too. Both teams are in a really good spot to make the playoffs right now. Minnesota is the sixth seed. Green Bay at the three. So if the playoffs started today, these two would be facing off in the wild card round of the playoffs in Lam or uh, at Lambeau Field. Um, that would so that would be an interesting game for sure. Definitely, definitely. Minnesota is a lot different of a team compared to what they what they were. Yeah. They faced off in week two. I think for this next game, we got to go with the Packers now, since we're already talking about the Packers. Yeah. So the the eight and two Packers take on the five and four Carolina Panthers and ultimately beat out the Panthers twenty four sixteen with uh Aaron Rodgers going seventeen for twenty nine with two hundred and thirty three yards. Kyle Allen twenty eight for forty three with three hundred and seven yards, touchdown and an interception. That those are interesting stats, especially for Rodgers. I I didn't not I would not expect Rodgers to be he didn't really have that great of a game like stat wise because like he got his no touchdowns or anything and like he only completed seventeen passes. I think the thing that you're missing out though by Aaron Rodgers is the fact that the Packers have been very much been productive with the running game. Running back Aaron Jones had thirteen carries for ninety three yards and. Aaron Jones scored three touchdowns. All three Green Bay's touchdowns came on the ground from running back Aaron Jones. They also had uh, 13 carries to uh, backup running back Jamal Williams. He ran for 63 yards, and Aaron Rodgers ran one time for seven yards. But I think going off your point about Rodgers, it's a solid game for him, but Aaron Jones has been such a, a big threat for them running wise and that's why Rodgers hasn't been as as um productive as, as he's normally been is because Aaron Jones has been growing into one of the better running backs this year. Especially if you have a good running game too. It's it's uh it's good to get all like get everyone involved in the game. Not just the quarterback or like the receiver, it's just like everyone. I think that we have to talk about a very controversial call regarding the Packers and the Panthers in this game. 
Green Bay was up 14-10 at the time. They were inside their one-yard line. Two Panthers had Aaron Rodgers taken down for a sack. Rodgers got rid of the ball and threw it. Nobody was really around. But instead of calling intent, it should have been an intentional grounding call on Aaron Rodgers, and that would have resulted in a safety for Carolina because intentional grounding in the end zone is an automatic safety. It should have been 14-12 Green Bay, but instead, instead, they call a roughing the passer penalty on Carolina, and that that puts Green Bay automatic first down, about 15 yards more out, a critical call at the end of the first half. Absolutely critical call. That, wow. I, I did not see that one, but. Talk about a game changer. That, 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 that definitely would be a game changer. If that, calls, if that goes in Carolina's favor, that's 14-12. Carolina gets the ball back after the safety per the rule. And Carolina has a shot to go down and maybe take the lead. Maybe take about a, um, a six or seven point lead. Maybe even three as well. That, so that is definitely a game changing. I would have been really mad if it was twenty four twenty two and the Panthers lost by two because that that was that would have been a safety to tie the game up and then whatever they would have done after that rush too. Yeah, the refs in this game were very much favorable to the Green Bay Packers. Like we've seen a lot this season, the Monday game against the Detroit Lions, the refs had some very bad calls against the Detroit Lions that were not penalties. And the Packers have been getting away with a lot per the NFL refs. And I think this it's a situation not just for the Packers, but the Packers have definitely been the most notable team to be to been getting away with these kind of penalties and penalties against the other team that weren't penalties. Green Bay has been very beneficial of the NFL refs mistakes. And I think that Carolina was a, a victim again this weekend, just like the Detroit Lions. Also in that second and goal situation from about the three or two yard line, trying 24, 16 with four seconds. Left, it looked like Christian McCaffrey launched the ball over the goal line. He carried the ball over his head and into the goal line, but the refs ultimately upheld the call of no touchdown because they could not get a good angle of seeing where Christian McCaffrey was, even though it definitely looked like he did carry the ball over the line. These refs have been missing a lot of key calls. Yeah. And most notably for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, but for that one, it has to be conclusive, I think. You have to be able to tell 100% sure if the cross – like it could, it could look like that one way, but then another way, it doesn't cross. But like, if they don't have a good angle, they can't, they can't up, uphold the call or up, overturn the call. So it's just like it's, it's a they, they need to get better like replay systems for that. Then. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Because it's like you can't blame the rest for that because. Because it could be inconclusive, and like that angles of the cameras don't show that. So it's like you can't really blame the refs because they're going by rule. And by rule, if you can't tell, you cannot give them. You cannot call something else if you have no no visual proof of that. 
Yeah. But for it's the rough, probably. but for the rough in the passer, that's a different story. But for like the video review, you can't really give the refs all that for that. It's very. It, it has to be very frustrating for the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, no doubt, one hundred percent agree. If it was any team, it, it'd be it'd be frustrating, no matter what team you're playing. Definitely. That, that, that could happen against the Bears too, or like the the Patriots, and it'll just be as just as frustrating as this game was. Yeah, you have to think though that that roughing the passer call completely changed the game's momentum around. Uh, Carolina instead of being down fourteen twelve and another chance with the ball, it gives Green Bay another first down and a chance to maybe add another lead or take some more time off the first half clock. Very frustrated though if you're Carolina. Yeah, you had to think that you had a huge chance going into that game for a win, and some very controversial calls uphold or upheld their chances. Yeah, 100% agree with you there. I'm going to go with – if you're done, are you done with all that game, right? Yeah, I'm done with that game. I think we have to focus on the Chicago Bears for our next game. Since the last time – the last time we talked about the Chicago Bears, they had a bye week. They were coming – they went on the bye – and they lost the Oakland Raiders the week before. They were three and two. Now coming into this game against the Detroit Lions, they lost three in a row after the bye week. Three and five. People um, um, criticizing Mitchell Trubisky more than ever after the, all these three games, questioning if he should be the future of uh, the Chicago Bears um, and. It has not looked good for the Bears. Uh, but this week, despite playing the 31st-ranked defense in the NFL and the Detroit Lions being short at Matthew Stafford, the Chicago Bears ended up beating the Detroit Lions 20-13. Detroit had a chance to go tie up the game with uh, about 20-ish seconds left. Jeff Driscoll stepped two yards over the line of scrimmage to throw the ball, and that was an illegal forward pass. Turnover on downs. The Bears end up winning, but these have been a few bright spots of what Mitchell Trubisky has shown, not only this season, but as a pro. He had a couple solid throws today, but again, should we be too happy with the performance against the 31st ranked defense in the NFL? Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't, oh, I don't, I don't know. Because, like, we sh- the Bears should have done a lot better against a 31st-ranked team than they actually did. Sure, they got the win, but overall, it was not that great of a game for them. So I don't, I don't think they should be happy about that. And it's just uh, the Bears' season is going. It went one way, and now it's going the other way. So like, it's a very it's frustrating to be a Bears fan right now. Definitely, after they won the NFC North division last year and nearly missed out on the divisional round, which they would have gone on to play the Los Angeles Rams, this season has gone out to be a disaster. The offense looks worse than it has last year. The defense has looked worse, too, this year. Well, I can't really blame the defense a whole lot because 
They're not as scary as they used to be, though, last year. I I just feel like the reason is the offense literally takes, like, two seconds every drive. Well, not literally two seconds, but the offense, they don't have anything going. They get off the field really quickly because they're forced to punt, and the defense gets gassed out because they're on the field so much because the offense doesn't doesn't take up long drives too. Like the defense is constantly on the field because the offense can't do anything and the offense always has to punt the ball. Yeah, I can see that because they're, they're literally always – probably 80% of the game, the defense is on the field. And that that will probably – that will tire a defense out, especially when they, they're putting everything they got into stopping the offense. And then whenever we go out, the Bears go out for offense, their defense stops them, like, just like that, just quick, very quick. Then they got to re- regroup and go back in, like, right away. Yeah. Overall, though, I am glad that the Chicago Bears finally found a way to win this week. I think, though, if Matthew Stafford was in a quarterback, then it would have been it a different be a, story. It would be a different story then. Yeah, Matthew Stafford is an established veteran. I think he would have found a way to win probably for the, the Lions, but Jeff Driscoll ultimately could not find a way past the Chicago Bears this week. Mitchell Trubisky shed a couple good passes. Uh, one touchdown to Ben Broniker, another to Tariq Cohen, and then another to Taylor Gabriel. So it's good to see the Bears offense actually getting some production. They haven't really had that this season. Yeah. But it was it was mostly an ugly game, but I guess a win is a win. These are definitely the two worst teams in the NFC North. Yeah, for sure. If you're if you're a general manager for the Bears right now, what would you do in the draft? Like, what position would you go for? It's honestly very hard for me. I think the number one I think the number one position you should be looking at is offensive line. Because the offensive line has has been very very below average this season, uh, the reason the Bears cannot uh, make this run game go any better is because the offensive line has not been giving them the uh, appropriate blocks and leads that normally need to go for a run. Uh, so I would definitely look at, at uh, the offensive line as a place to try and like regroup and rebuild and find some young guys in the draft and maybe stock up on that. But another position I would definitely like look out for is quarterback. I don't think Mitchell Trubisky is the solution in Chicago. Mm-hmm. I think that he this is his third season now. Sure, he made the playoffs last year with us, but he's, overall, he's making rookie mistakes right now. He he's not he's not seeing the field like a third year quarterback should. And granted, I think it's it's definitely a little bit of the problem that Matt Nagy does not call the best plays, but I think that Matt Nagy somewhat knows that Mitch Mitch doesn't have a great skill set, so he knows he's limited with his play calls. Yeah. Like I definitely think I definitely think the offensive line is a problem because they they can't block and Nagy doesn't call great plays, but I definitely think a lot of these a lot of these um a lot of these plays Mitch just does not get it done. Like he has, he has the open looks, but he just he doesn't put the ball in. He overthrows a lot of the players too. He does. I also heard an interesting stat though, despite that that comment that the Chicago Bears have the most drops this season. The thirty four drop passes. 
leads the league, and that team that leads that category is the Chicago Bears. I did not know that. That's very interesting. I did. I was but, driving to school yesterday, and I was listening to a Chicago radio, and I heard them say 34 drop passes. But I could see, I could see that they're one of the worst in drop passes because they have dropped plenty of balls this year. It's, I mean, yeah, Trubisky, despite putting them putting some on the receivers, have to make those catches. But a lot of the times that that he does, he's trying to fit them in windows that are not necessarily open. They're closed. Defenders will jump all over and either intercept them or knock it down. Like it's it's just not possible for him to try and fit the ball in there. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, to answer your question, I think the offensive line needs to be retooled. And I still think Trubisky is not the answer. I would honestly go with trying to sign a quarterback and sign or trade a quarterback in free agency. I heard Cam Newton's name throw out there a lot. I would also not mind seeing other guys like Marcus Mariota, Andy Dalton, uh, Nick Foles, even maybe even Josh Rosen to come in there. Yeah. But I would also like maybe I would if they do, I would not mind them seeing if they could draft a quarterback as well, maybe to help them shadow behind one of those guys, or even if something goes wrong, put them in there. But I think if you're the Chicago Bears, you know you definitely messed up on Mitchell Trubisky. He was not your guy. And I think that go for it. Take a spot at one of these quarterbacks in the draft and see if they're if they have more potential than Mitch. To take a risk and uh, pick pick up a quarterback. See how it goes. Especially for yeah. especially for how the Bears are doing right now, you have to take a risk somewhere. That's right. That's right. Ryan Pace definitely knows that uh, he failed on picking Mitch. So I think a good way to rebound from that is try picking another one until you get it right. Yeah, that that's gonna have to be their men- mentality for their for the next couple years. I definitely think so. I I think that's a good point. All right. So is that all you you got to talk about? Yeah, I I think that's good on the Bears. Yeah. So I'm gonna transition from. The Bears to uh, an interesting game where I did not expect uh, this team to beat this team, and it's the two and seven Miami Dolphins playing the five and four Indianapolis Colts, and the Dolphins come up on top, sixteen to twelve, to secure their second win of the season, which is one more than a lot of the than a lot of people would think that the Dolphins would win. So the the game was really what well, was really not that interesting really because like the, the first the first half of the game was 10 nothing Dolphins and then the Colts came back in the third and the fourth quarter and uh the Dolphins came back again to make it 16-12 so it wasn't that wasn't that interesting but not a lot going on but overall the Dolphins win their second game of the season off uh Brian off of Ryan Fitzpatrick, who went 21 for 33 with 169 yards. And then Brian Hoyer, 18 for 39 with 204 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. That that definitely yeah. hurt the Colts, three interceptions. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely think – I wouldn't even really say it benefited the Dolphins. I think the Colts were definitely hurt in this game. 
from the fact that their starting quarterback, Jacoby Brissett, was announced that he would not play this weekend against Miami after getting hurt early against the Pittsburgh Steelers last week. Hoyer filled in. The Colts actually had a shot to win that game, but Adam Vinatieri missed a game-winning field goal that would have won the game for the Colts 27-26. Instead, they lost 26-24. Brissett, it was announced that he would not play this week. So I definitely think Miami would be looking more optimistic than if Brissett was playing. Um, but definitely losing, not having Brissett and and not having T.Y. Hilton, your lead receiver, playing, that was also a major loss. T.Y. Hilton was a very uh, underlooked receiver as well. They did not have both of those two. So the Colts, uh, they were uh, – they were trying to look somewhere else. Their leading receiver was their tight end, Eric Ebron, with five catches and 56 yards. Yeah, for sure. There's a, there's an article that says the uh, Dolphins' offensive line is getting stronger every week they play, which I can see is true, but still not really doing anything since they're 2-7. and seven. Also, I think I'll go into a little bit of what you were saying about the Dolphins. I, I think I think what's happening now with the Dolphins, I mean, I definitely think they are winning games. Obviously, they are. But a, a thing that I'm noticing is they went back to Ryan Fitzpatrick after they went to Josh Rosen. I think this is an indicator that the Dolphins are not set on Josh Rosen to be their franchise quarterback. They kind of want Fitzpatrick to be there maybe for the rest of the season. I think the Dolphins will not set on Josh Rosen, and I think the Dolphins will look in this year's draft for another quarterback, possibly someone like Tua Tagovailoa or Joe Burrow or even, I'd say, Jake put Jake Fromm or Justin Herbert in there. I think those the Dolphins will look in the draft for possibly one of those four players. But I think them going back to Ryan Fitzpatrick after starting Josh Rosen is a sign that, that Josh Rosen – we'll have to look for another team elsewhere next season because the Dolphins going back to Fitzpatrick is a sign that they will not try to pursue him as their franchise quarterback. Yeah. I, I, I kind of forgot about uh, Josh Rosen, but you just got to go with any quarterback that can get you to get you to win a game. And I think Ryan Fitzpatrick's that guy right now. And he, he played pretty pretty well this game, this week. So I, I I'd keep him for the rest of the season as starting quarterback. Fitzpatrick's my guy. Yeah, I really feel bad though for Josh Rosen. I don't think he's had a real chance to showcase any of his talent. Uh, last year he came in about week three for the Arizona Cardinals in place of another veteran quarterback who's been banged up throughout his career, Sam Bradford. Um, he came in during the middle of week three against the Chicago Bears. Uh, the Bears ended up winning that game sixteen fourteen. They stuck with Rosen for the rest of the year, but in a surprising turn of events this offseason, the Arizona Cardinals brought in former Texas Tech head football coach Cliff Kingsbury as their head coach. And Cliff Kingsbury had a system at Texas Tech, which most most Big 12 teams had, which is an air raid offense, very pass-heavy. Um, and with Kyler Murray, the quarterback from Oklahoma, coming out of the NFL draft as a junior, after a Heisman season, Arizona pounced right away on Kyler Murray with a number one overall pick. And 
that left Josh Rosen kind of the odd man out. It was it was the elephant in the room, basically. I mean, they weren't really saying that Josh Rosen was going, but everyone kind of knew once they drafted Kyler Murray that the Josh Rosen era in, card, in, uh, in a Cardinals uniform was over. And ultimately, the Miami Dolphins pounced on Rosen, and the Cardinals were willing to trade him. But this season, it just, again, more bad luck, it seems like. I just I don't see Josh Rosen lasting in a Dolphins uniform past this season. It's just more circumstances have happened with the huge amount of losses that they suffered and that um, most people looking for them to take another another quarterback this year. It just sucks for Josh Rosen. He has not been able to showcase the talents that I think he might have. There, there'll, there'll be a team that'll, that'll take him for sure because I don't think teams have seen what he's truly capable of. Yeah, for sure. I think that was my last game that I wanted to cover. So if you got one more, go for it. All righty. Uh, I think I'll go. Yeah, I think I think we have to talk about the one that game though yesterday between yeah, Seahawks Forty Niners. Yes, uh, seven and two Seattle went to Santa Clara to take on the last undefeated team remaining in the NFL, the eight and zero San Francisco Forty ers and some people, I didn't watch the whole game. I actually only was watching um, the last few minutes of overtime. Some people are calling this possibly the game of the year. Uh, this one was pretty defensive, heavy from the start. I mean, San Francisco scored 10 in the first quarter, but in, in all, there were seven turnovers this game. Wow. Uh, Russell Wilson threw one interception. Jimmy Garoppolo threw one interception. Uh, but other than that, there were fumbles beyond belief. Uh, fumbles for uh, the score, that is. Uh, DeForest Buckner uh, picked up a, a fumble and returned it for a touchdown in the fourth quarter for the 49ers. Russell Wilson got stripped. Uh, another Seahawks signing lost the ball. And DeForest Buckner took it in for a, um, a, a scoop and score. And then I believe it was the second quarter, Jimmy Garoppolo fumbled. And Jadavion Clowney took it in for a touchdown. And the 49ers came back in a 21-10 fourth-quarter deficit, uh, tied it up with left in a minute left, 24-24, took it to overtime. And overtime was very, very back and forth. Seattle went right down the field inside the 20, ultimately to end up having Russell Wilson's pass intercepted. San Francisco returned it to about the 50 San Francisco got in prime position to, to kick a winning 47-yard field goal. Chase McLaughlin, the rookie who was signed this week because of Robbie Gold injury, completely missed that game-winning field goal. And Seattle, in the end, took that. And Jason Myers kicked the game-winning field goal for Seattle. Very back-and-forth game. I think these are these obviously are the two best teams in the NFC West, but. More importantly, maybe one of the two best teams in the NFL because even though San Francisco is in question about how good they really are being undefeated, I think San Francisco's defense is totally for real despite the loss. Yeah, San Francisco's defense legit. But overall, looking like throughout the entire game, the the stats are pretty even. Like if you look at like the stats of the players, it's honestly pretty even, especially for Garoppolo and uh, Russell Wilson. They pretty much have the same of everything. And then pretty much the same scores. 
pretty much in the stat line through through the, throughout the whole game. Yeah. I I honestly would have expected 49ers to win this game though. I did. I did pick the 49ers in a very close game uh to win. I knew it was going to be a close yeah. game. Like maybe like maybe like 27-24 but for the 49ers like opposite of what the actual outcome was, but the Seahawks and the 49ers undefeated streak. So they go to eight and one. Yeah, for sure. I actually did do a score prediction for this game. My score prediction was 49ers 31 Seahawks 26. So I was actually pretty close for both teams. Uh, But this game definitely lived up to the hype. Uh, you have, you have uh, Seattle looking like they're going to have San Francisco on the ropes in overtime. And uh, Russell Wilson throws a very rare interception. And then you have San Francisco um, go right down the field again. But Chase McLaughlin, again, Chase McLaughlin, that's that's the key right there. Chase McLaughlin. I'll say, I'll say it again. I'll say it again. Chase, Chase McLaughlin. McLaughlin. Missed a field goal. Very costly because Robbie Gold, I think, might be one of the most accurate kickers in the league. Last year, he missed more field goals, two, than extra points, one last year. Wow. And this year, more of the same. So I think definitely if the 49ers did not have Robbie Gold hurt and out for this game, Robbie Gold would have 100% made that game-winning field goal because the longtime Chicago Bear has been nothing but a disappointment after signing with San Francisco. True, Robbie Robbie Golden. Also, he did he did play for the New York Giants for a year too, I believe. Yeah, he's he's only missed like three field goals since leaving the Bears too. Robbie Gold, yeah, he was really good. There were rumors. I don't know Cody why we Parkey. ever traded him. Forgot. Yeah, there were rumors after Cody Parkey got released that the Bears should bring in Robbie Gold. Robbie Gold. There were even rumors that Robbie Gold wanted to return to Chicago because. Uh, his his wife and his family lived there, but ultimately, um, uh, he did sign a extension with the 49ers. I believe either he that or the 49ers franchise tagged him, so he couldn't leave. Ooh. But uh, the Bears ended up signing uh, training for Pinheiro. but the 49ers again. I definitely think that there could have been a a lot less drop passes on their part. A lot of drop passes on some of these 49er receivers. Garoppolo is putting some balls right there, but a lot of drops on the Niners. A lot of also bad passes by Garoppolo, but I think definitely what, when it comes down to the first down spot for that run on third and two, I thought that was a little bit of a bad spot by the rest. I think um, I think it was Brita. Brita carried the ball over the marker, and they still marked him short. I was like, Wow. Another critical call. Yeah, that, then, that was another turning point, too. And then Chase McLaughlin with a really just bad – missed field goal to win the game. Unfortunate yeah. series of events for the 49ers. Yeah, so now with, the, with, now with this loss, there are no remaining undefeated teams in the NFL. That's, that's a bummer. I, you know what? I'll give a lot of credit though to the 49ers. I don't think anyone saw them doing what they were doing. Yeah, I, I definitely not see them doing that at all. This sounds actually pretty bad. I had the 49ers going seven and nine this season and finishing third in the NFC West. 
and they already passed the win total I thought they would. It's crazy. It is crazy. It, it, football is very unpredictable. For sure. Uh, I don't got any more games that need to be covered, so. No, I think I'm also good on the games. Yeah, so we'll do a we'll probably do a, another preview preview episode later in the week. So we'll get that out before Sunday, before the next couple, before the next uh, series of games. So that'll be interesting. So stay tuned to that. NFL and college football. NFL and college football. Yep. And I believe, I believe this will do it for this video. So, so please follow our Instagram at on the spot sports with underscores under separating each word. So on underscore the underscore spot underscore sports. So go follow us there. We'll post updates to whenever our episodes drop, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel, uh, like the video and we appreciate you guys and we'll be back soon. We got some, we got some interesting interviews coming up, some fun interviews coming up. So got to stay tuned for that. And I believe this will do it. So yeah. Uh, thank you guys for listening again. Um, if you guys want to participate as well in the NFL bold predictions, uh, please submit whatever you have as well. Week 11 this week, I know I have mine, Jack has his. So if you guys want to do uh, your bull predictions, feel free to comment them below or even on our Instagram, wherever you feel, and we will definitely take those and share them on the show. Yeah, so we'll see you guys later. Shabam.